Well, good morning and welcome. DJ Daniel Cox here, which means that Freddie is not here. But we have a special guest with Jonathan, and that would be our associate pastor, Tim Newsbomber. And they're going to be talking today about the sermon out of Matthew 2 from last week that is just, well, it's hope-filled, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. So sit back. Pour that coffee and enjoy your time as we break Matthew 2 open into levels that, well, they're just tasty. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at real life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Real Life Sango Podcast. That was that was very, that had a lot of gravitas. Is it that was, the right it word? Was, it, it was almost as good as Fred's whisper from last week. <laughs> so that's right. Fred's not here this week. This is Jonathan and... Timmy Newsbomber. Timmy! <laughs> how, how long has that been, like, <laughs> bottled up in you? Uh, last night, it was probably, like, late, like 8.50, <laughs> before oh, Rachel no. and I fell asleep. And I was like, I can't wait to say, Timmy! <laughs> I just love that you called 8.50 late. <laughs> well, it was, like, middle of the night, 8.50 p.m. That's usually how Freddie makes, Fred makes fun of me, is yeah. because I go to bed early. <laughs> exactly. uh, that's right. So, Fred is not on the podcast. He is... Got an engagement this morning that he could not attend. So Associate Pastor Newsmomer is here, who brought the message this week on Sunday. Yep, yep. So super excited that Tim Tim, Timmy, Associate <laughs> Pastor Newsmomer is here this morning. How are you this morning, Tim? I am I'm doing well. Uh, yeah. Life is good, man. What? I uh had a f- took a few days off last week, which was nice. Okay. So. Good. Yeah, well, I don't good. know if I missed you. Um <laughs> so uh so we have usually we don't pregame. Fred and I just kind of walk in. We appreciate We have been laughing for like 25 minutes uh, about what we're going to talk about. So we have really nothing left to talk about. The, the problem was like half of what we talked about. We're like, yeah, we can't really. That's not that's not really podcast material, Jonathan. Well, Fred said I had to have a referee. So we had to see what could what I could or couldn't yeah, say this. That's morning. fair. So we that's got fair. that out of the system. Yes, we did. We did. Anyway, so we uh, are uh, on the podcast this morning and we're going to talk about your sermon and the I think what we've joked about this morning, the non-prophetic, prophetic fulfillments in Matthew 2, and how that might maybe connect to, (laughs) have some nexus with hope in the Advent season. Yes, yeah. And I think it's a good one to talk about because, like, if you're a little confused for Matthew 2, I get it. Like, I... Uh, Jonathan and I, we both studied it and it's, it's, it can be confusing, right? Cause there's just all kinds of things happening in the text. That you, we can, well, you know what I have to say to that? What's that? It is what it is. <laughs> oh, no. oh boo, no. boo. It is what, see, that was funny. Yeah. I, see, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> I wish I should have brought a bell that every time Jonathan says something he thinks, I mean, that's funny. I ring the bell, you know, that's, that's what I should have done. I'll, I'll remember that. So you know, Rachel wanted time. to be here this morning so bad. She, we, we started so late now because we've talked so much. Uh, <laughs> she wanted to say when I introduced in my, in my little introduction, because I just couldn't do it like Fred could. Oh. She wanted to say, who's my big man? <laughs> that's what she get, get her in here right now. Come oh, on. She's taking the kids okay. to Carlisle. Bless her heart. <laughs> All right. So we're going to get started this morning. We're going to have a shorter first segment. Thanksgiving. I said, you want to talk about Thanksgiving? I said, Tim, what'd you do for Thanksgiving? 
We ate a lot of food. It was like very unique. Like I know most people fast during the week of Thanksgiving. We actually went the other direction and ate um, kind of a random food, like turkey. I don't. It's really uh, random. No, it's, you know. Yeah. Well, it is random. Like who eats turkey? But I don't know. Well, one time a year. About five or six years ago, my kids revolted against Thanksgiving, and um, they were like, "Dad, why are these foods like Thanksgiving foods? It's just so random." Like who eats turkey like you know throughout the year and then they were like we don't like turkey and so we started doing fondue this is like so embarrassing because it's like you know stereotypical swiss right like uh and so we so started doing a little background yeah tim is is a dual citizenship dual citizenship Citizen. with america and switzerland so yeah so there yep. you go so yep. he's swiss swissish Swi- yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's swiss go swiss ahead. not not swedish and which you're, you're and you're kind of holy too how so? Because Swiss cheese oh is Oh, my goodness. Stop. Dun, dun, dun. Stop. Boom. That was funny. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Bell rings. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Jonathan thinks he's funny. He's his own best audience. It's all right. All right. Um, anyway, you were eating some fondue. Oh, yeah. So we started. We changed it out. So we, we were doing, we did fondue for years for Thanksgiving. And so, um, and it was awesome. And then this year we returned back to like. Turkey. So what do New Jerseyans eat for Thanksgiving? Spoiler alert. <laughs> turkey. <laughs> Pretty much the same thing. Although I don't think you get as much of like a, the, the fried Cajun turkey and some of that stuff that happens. Y'all are more traditional in New Jersey. Yeah, there. that's right. Yeah, that's Non-rebels. Right. Yeah. How yeah. about you, man? Uh, we um, went to a family member's house and ate turkey and gravy. <laughs> that's Wow. That's <laughs> mind-blowing. So, so the joke was, I think we talked on the podcast last week, that I do turkey one time a year. Dad used to do it. Dad's past now Mm -hmm. and uh but i started doing it three or four or five years ago and so i do it one time a year and i do it on the big green egg this year i did not cliff fields gave me some great pointers i was like ain't doing it i'm not spending 30 minutes trying to get that thing started so (laughs) do it on the little cheater cheater traeger and uh man i baby that thing i had to be at my brother's 11 30 that stupid thing didn't get to 155 until is that what you're supposed to cook them to? 155? Is it 155? Oh, I was kidding. Oh. It's 165. That's I was just a joke for those out there like, oh, y'all didn't eat it at 155. That's a little pink. Well, they did get a little sick afterwards. But anyway. I think Daniel uh, agrees with 155. Tur- turkey sashimi. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> literally it's like two minutes before we have to get out of the house. The turkey's coming off the grill. It was a pain. It, you know, it, was, it was a mess. Get out of my brother's house. I'm trying to cut it. It's just a mess. And so I'm like, I'm exhausted. I just sat down for 30 minutes and didn't even enjoy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Uh, and then we had to have our own Thanksgiving in our house. That's our family, like Max, right. Nella, Rachel, and I. And also on did the same th- thing Thursday Cook- on Thursday on well. Saturday night. on Saturday. Cooked five hours, made dressing. You know, did the whole thing. Kids sit down and literally had three rolls. I know it's the joke, but it it really happened. That's what they had three rolls. They they wanted to have turkey. I didn't want turkey again, and I smoked this silly turkey. <laughs> For another five hours, and we're sitting there, and they lay, had no turkey. They The gravy was too thin, runny, and they had three rolls. And I was like, and I was sitting there, like, sweating. I'm like, this won't happen again. This is our last family Thanksgiving, just so you know. I don't know if I believe that. No, it is. I, I'm not doing you, two Thanksgivings. Are you bitter? Jonathan, are you a little, I'm a not, little bitter? Well, not as bitter as the cranberry sauce, which didn't turn out exactly <laughs> like I wanted to either. So, all right. Well, that, about, that's kind of how, I mean, like, what you just described, I think, is what happened to me where I'm like, oh, you don't like turkey and dressing? Fine. We're going to do something different. And, well, that's what I said last year. I said this year, I was like, hey, kids, we're not going to do turkey this year. I'm not going to do turkey. Let's do something else. Well, we got to have turkey for Thanksgiving. I was like, why? Well, because that's what we do. 
And it's, I'm like, well, we're going to do one of them. And I ended up doing two, and they didn't like this. It wasn't as good as the first one. <laughs> I'm like, that's crap. You just ate three rolls. Nothing's good after you eat three rolls. Exactly. Full of bread. Next time, you can save a lot of money and a lot of sweat and tears and just bring out the rolls. <laughs> Podcast listener, if you had, a, we hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We joke around. I know some of you probably had more of a difficult, emotional one. You had lost family members. Yeah. I know we did. Uh, but I know it's, it's a tough time of the year for some, but hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving if you could have and found some joy and contentment in what we could be thankful for at least one time a year, right? That's it. Okay. Um, so we're going to do a shorter first segment, like I said, but we do have some great news. If you did not see it on social media, um, that would include Facebook, Instagram, or whatever else you do and whatever the church does, we've got a new minister coming to town. That's right. Clay Knight. And is soon bride to be Millie, and I don't, I don't know her last no, name right now. Okay, it's going to be a Knight now. She will be. Yeah, it's Millie not Knight. a Knight, but you spell Knight with K, so That's right. it's kind of like the sword and the shield. Or if you play chess, it's the little one. Isn't there a Knight? There's a Knight in yeah, chess. Knight, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, Chad Knight and Millie. Okay, Clay. Oh my not, gosh! Not, I just said not, it again. Not Clay's cousin Chad. We were joking. It's gonna be Chad. It's Clay yep. Knight. Clay yep. Knight and Billy. <laughs> you knew I was gonna do it too. I did. I did. All right. Uh, what's his name again? Clay. 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 Oh, wow. Clay Knight. Clay. We're excited. We can't uh, can't wait for you to get here in January. Yes. Um, Clay will be get here. I think um, maybe even like a couple days before January first, so you can hit the ground running in January. They get married first week in February. February. And then um, after their honeymoon, they'll both be here and great. off to a great start. We're, we're looking forward to seeing Clay. Clay, and there Millie. you go. <laughs> uh, and I know it has been a long time prayer and search and lots of hard work by lots of people. And uh, it is truly an answer to prayer to have Clay and Millie come to Clarksville. It really is. And, serve, and, serve and I'll just say this. It was a very... It was a long process, and there were you know other candidates that were great that we were excited about that for whatever reason it, it didn't come through, and then then we get to Clay and Millie, and we're like, man, like it all makes sense now because they are such a good fit for uh, real life and, and just their experiences and their personalities, and so it was just it was about God's timing, and you know uh, when we found out last week, it it was just yeah huge celebration for everybody I think. Well, great. So we're glad that Clay and Millie are coming in January. There, he will be the student minister. minister. That's Th- right. That's his title, yep, student yep. minister. Um, so if your child's not in students, my child's not in students. I need to get Max into students. It's a it's a good time. It really is. Yeah, it's so, a good time uh, to do it. So it's a great time. Uh, make sure you're, when you see Clay and Millie, you pat them on the back. Yep. Give them a hug if that's appropriate, uh, if you don't sick or whatever. But anyway, so it's speaking of waiting for Clay and Millie, uh, we're in the middle of Advent season, Tim. That's right. That's right. Well, it, the, the middle, I'd well, say. we kind of started like two days deep. Yep. And I think I mentioned this on Sunday morning, but like my kids were already like, I was getting reprimanded for putting Christmas decorations on Saturday. And I know that that's not even that early, really. But, you know, and I, I was telling them, like, hey, Advent starts tomorrow. It's not It's not early, you know. And they're like, nope, too early. Well, so. I, I love I love some Christmas music, and um, Rachel refuses, will not in her presence have Christmas music until Friday after Thanksgiving. And so we're just like, when I take the kids and Carline, we're sneaking around on her and turning on Sirius XM and listen to the Christmas channels. And I said, who, who do you want to take to 
you to Carline. Oh, Daddy's taking us. Daddy's taking us because they get to listen to Christmas music. So now, <laughs> now we get to listen to Christmas music. That's that's just like it is in our house. Except I'm the only one that likes Christmas music. Really? Well, I, I think they'll they'll like it like the week of Christmas, maybe two weeks before. But well, Rachel can't stand Christmas music. Period. Because she's Bob and Humbug. Yeah, she's screwed. She says it's either frenetic. Or okay. it's really depressive. It's like this bipolar music. It's Interesting. like it just like drives you crazy. Listen to it, or just like so depressing. You just like want to, you know. Oh, it's my turn, favorite. Turn it's my favorite. We're, in fact, we're going to see Drew Holcomb, Drew and Ellie Holcomb, and their Christmas with the National Symphony. Who's that? Drew Holcomb. You don't know Drew? Oh, apparently don't. Yeah. No. Okay, check it, check it off. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Christmas time, Christmas music, Advent's here. Expect it. You kicked off Advent this Sunday. Yes. With. Hope. Advent hope. Do you That's know what right. the other three are? I, I, yes. Love. <laughs> Advent love is next. And okay. then uh, joy and then peace. All right. So hope, love, joy, and peace um, for the next four Sundays. So I guess we have to be hopeful this week. <laughs> this is hope. That's right. We can get off that next week and just be loving next. Uh, after this, you don't have to hope done. anymore. That's like right. Like the prayer season's over. We don't necessarily <laughs> have to pray anymore. But, you know, anyway, that's a joke. Okay. Uh, so... You got anything else funny to say? <laughs> <laughs> I think we exhausted all those, you know, bef- it, it, pre-podcast. But, it, um, it is what it is. It is. It is. It is yes. what it is. Oh, can I, can I say it that? It is what it is, but what? I researched this. Okay. Yeah. I did yeah. research this. You researched the phrase, it is what it is. I, I, yes. Freddie's really, really good at that because I just say stuff. He's like, no one knows what you just said. Yes. <laughs> I did re- I did research. Uh, I'm trying to get into my phone Where, here. Where'd it come from? Well, I, I did Google this. so. It, oh, so it has to be true. Well, I, I did find three different sources that said the same thing, probably used the same source that did that, which is probably false. Uh, but this is what I found out. Okay. That the first instance they can find it in writing is from the Nebraska State Journal in 1949, written by a guy named J.E. Lawrence. Huh. And he's talking about the way that pioneer life molded character. Interesting. And this is his quote, supposedly. This could be false, so just let it go if it is. (laughs) New land is harsh and vigorous and sturdy. It scorns evidence of weakness. There is nothing of sham or hypocrisy in it. Hmm. It is what it is without apology. Huh. It's really cool because it's very biblical. It's a very agrarian... Uh, I'm going to talk second segment. I want to talk about yokes, uh, but this takes us back to this Genesis three thing. It's just really beautiful. Yeah, that that's really cool. That the life that that Greer and Farmer lives is not an easy life, or in this case, a pioneer. But it is what it is. You take it for what it is. I love it. I love it. Anyway, all right. Uh, enough of this. Yep. All right. It is what it is. We're going to come back second segment and talk about your sermon. Sounds good. We want to know more about you at Real Life. We want to hear your story at Real Life. We want to discover what makes you passionate at Real Life. We want to do that at The Path. The Path is a two-week experience for you to sink your teeth into our DNA, for you to get connected and dig a little deeper at Real Life. And it's our opportunity to learn more about you. Sign up for The Path today by texting Mission to 97000. That's mission to 97,000. Sign up today. As we say all the time on the podcast, context is king. That's right. So I'm not saying you can't pick up the Word of God and read a verse and not get some joyful, loving, steadfastness from it. 
But I think the richness and the wealth of God's Word comes from knowing and studying it. And so this week, you, as we joked already in the first segment, Tim Tim, we have these non-prophetic prophetic fulfillments. So let's kind of unravel that okay. one before we jump, jump into what the context of who Matthew is, uh, and then maybe give some some color to what you did with Matthew 2. Sure. So when we say non-prophetic, prophetic fulfillments, what, 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 what were you trying to say on Sunday? Well, I mean, some of the stuff that doesn't make it into like a 30-minute sermon is, is the way that we typically take prophecies. And I think, Jonathan, probably the way you and I both grew up is like it's you take the Old Testament, you know, verses and then you match them up with the New Testament. So get the flashcards on one side. There's Jeremiah. We're going to match it up with Matthew yes, 4 over here. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. And, and so, and then, you know, you'll have like a really cool illustration like the odds of this happening would be like a tornado coming through a junkyard. And at the end of the tornado, you have like a perfectly, you know, built Tesla. Like, you just gutted every pastor I ever listened to in Christmas time when I grew sure, up. I'm pretty sure I've used that illustration. Okay, Jonathan. Like, and listen, like, there's like amazing stuff like that that you can do, but I think um, when we go that direction, we miss some of the, like the the greater truths of what you're talking about, which is when you study the context of it, all this other stuff comes out as well. And I would also say like there's a danger like on the other side as well. Like if you don't do the prophecy numbers game, there's like a there's a cynical approach that says, um, well, if you look at the prophecies, they're not really prophecies as you as you just said, and so they basically say that the gospel writers are trying to manipulate, you know, to make Jesus um, fulfill these prophecies. But that really misses the boat too. It pretends that they didn't know what they were quoting and that they didn't have a purpose for why they were doing it. And so um, what what I think you and I are going to suggest is that there's like a, um, a deeper thing happening here that the authors absolutely intended to do, that if we're like willing to dig a little bit, that um, is going to have like really powerful truths for us. One of the things that you and you've been, and I'm not, this is not going to be a get on the Timmy band, bandwagon, bandwagon today, but you really have pushed me to learn more over the. We we've stayed in touch for the last 17 years, not as close as we would love to have when you were in New Jersey, because you. you I kept trying you to get were, you up you there, in but. New Jersey, but <laughs> um, but yeah. So one of the things you and I'm going to talk about meta narrative today. We'll, we'll just want to touch on it near the end, but meta narrative. But the other thing that's really come to light with some of the people you've suggested that I'll listen to is this concept, and there's a great book out there, a friend of yours, wife, or friend of yours, put it out on Facebook that she had read this book. It's a beautiful book. I got through four pages of it so far. It's kind of tough. But that we as Westerners read an Eastern written book and sometimes don't understand the paradigm of what we're reading. And I think that's a little bit what's going on with Matthew here, that Matthew is, correct me here, I, I didn't do it. I, I watched The Chosen. That's The Chosen app. So I know everything about Matthew because of The Chosen. So <laughs> so we know he's Jewish, correct? Yeah. Okay. And you're going to say, and we know he's on the spectrum because I watched... <laughs> So he is a tax collector. (laughs) He wears these cool robes. Uh, So he's Jewish. He's obviously very learned. And he's clearly, he apparently is very, very intelligent and smart. Yes. You would agree with that? I would agree with that. He probably spent a lot of time with Jesus in the two or three years that he was walking around with. For sure. 
That's right. And so we know those things. And I think we know a lot of that because what he wrote in Matthew, the, the Gospel of Matthew. And he starts first thing of Matthew 1 with this beautiful genealogy. We, I think it's Joseph's genealogy to get to Jesus. Yep. I think uh forgot the Mark or Luke one gets to, to through Mary's side of how we get to Jesus from Abraham. Um but anyway, so that's that's the background who Matthew is. He's a very learned Jewish uh, uh, Jewish person who has that thought. So when he was writing it, I'm not saying he was writing it just to Jewish people, but you said it in your sermon, they were people of the book is what you said. I would yes. thought you would have said people of the scroll, but we're all with it, brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they had books, but we're Well, <laughs> I said, I think I said, I don't know we call said. ourselves a people oh, of the book. Oh, listen to you. You're right? so or, smart. Yeah. <laughs> because, it, you know, and not to be, well, we call ourselves that, but I don't know that we really are. Uh, you'll find exceptions every once in a while, but like when Matthew is writing this, he knows that um, a great, like a large portion of his audience you're not going to have to unpack it there. He's going to say a verse and they're going to recall the entire passage. Oh, that's talking about this. That's right. That's and, right. And you know, like when I have continuing legal education, they'll, they'll rank them from beginning, intermediate, and advanced. And the, the beginning one, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to hear the basics again, but it's just like, you don't go anywhere. But when you go to advanced one, it's like, what are they talking about? They right. just talked about this weird thing. That's like one provision in one document. And this is a little bit what Matthew's doing, especially in Matthew two, I think. Yep. So yep. when he's talking about this, these fulfillments of a prophet saying, sometimes it wasn't what they said 500 years before and can't wait for Jesus to fulfill it. It's something I think I'm not going to say deeper because sometimes we use that word wrong, I think. Right. But I think it's makes what Matthew was putting the dots between more rich. Would Agreed. that be fair? Yeah. Cause it's bringing in their history into this and, and their, their story that they rehearse all the time through, you know, the celebrations, the festivals, he's bringing all that into a chapter and to go back to your context as King, I mean, think about there's not much more of a nightmarish chapter than, than this chapter. It's not the typical Christmas story, right? Cause you're talking about a brutal King murdering, you know, firstborn children under, under the age of two, it's really dark. And so Matthew like weaves in these prophecies into one of the darkest chapters um, in the New Testament, and and I think it's like saying like, hey, this is the this is in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of this despair, this is who God is. And it's and and, it's, and part of this Eastern Western thought is that when an Easterner, as Matthew was, wrote this gospel, he wasn't trying to give you the highlighted version of like I'm going to tell you a bunch of stuff that you can skip through, and then I'm going to give you the topic sentence at the end. Like here's the answer. And, and so that's not how an Easterner wrote. He, I, I, don't, I don't say they wrote in circles, but they did write in a way of which led you to a place, and this is not original to me, as you know, Tim, but led you to a place where you would start thinking about, oh, wow, well, Jeremiah did talk about Rachel weeping, but was that prophetic to when Herod was going to kill the two-year-olds and under males in Bethlehem after Jesus was born? Yep. What a horrific thing, and how would that happen? And anyway, I, I think that that is the beauty and the richness, and that's why I loved your sermon on Sunday. Uh, I mean, I just, 
you know, I told you the first non-prophetic prophetic fulfillment about Hosea. I mean, I, I don't know that I listened to the rest of your sermon. I was sitting there just digging through chapter 11, Hosea. Yeah. Uh, that is the beauty. Listen, folks, that is the podcast listener. You're not a folk. You're a podcast listener. <laughs> uh, this is the beauty of God's Word. You, you can skim through it, and you'll get something great and wonderful. But, man, if you just, like, hang out in Matthew 2 for, like, a month, mm-hmm. and you go back and forth between the Jeremiah— uh, what I, what you know, Jeremiah links, if you want to look at it, or hyperlinks, uh, or Hosea, or whatever. It is just so rich and beautiful. I hope we are enticing you yep. to read Matthew 2 again, <laughs> but let's not talk about how great it is. Let's talk about what it actually says. Is that fair enough? That's that's fair enough. And I was going to say, like, something you said sparked this in me is that, like, you've probably heard this phrase that history doesn't repeat itself, but it does echo. Um, and like you see that like throughout scripture as well, this like as Matthew's pulling in all these stories, um, they're stories, they're prophetic in that they're stories that are echoing again, like in, in the, in the time of Jesus from the old Testament. And so, um, so not, not to lose where we started. So yeah. this is Advent season. You were you focusing on hope. Hope is not a wish. We don't cross our fingers, hope to die and something might happen or it might not, it, it isn't what it is. It, it, it is going to happen, and we don't have to think it might not. True? Absolutely. It's not, and that's the danger of, like, sometimes using an English word like hope is, like, we, we tend to, like, import, like, our version of hope, which right. is, like, you know, I think I mentioned this, of like, I hope, I hope Tennessee wins. I hope Tennessee gets in a bowl game. I hope I get this for Christmas, and it's, like, you know, cross your fingers type hope. That's not, that's not the Christian hope. That's right. So it's going to happen. It's an expectation, and that's what Advent's about. We're expecting the arrival, and you said it. Are we celebrating the arrival of Christ's coming? Yeah. We can go back and look at that. Are we expecting the hope of what he will come and get us all back again on the second coming? Well, yeah. But as we talked about right before we started, I kind of looked at this as the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. It's kind of the hope of God's Christmas, past, present, and future. We have hope the whole time. And one day we won't have hope because we'll have Christ face-to-face. But right now that's all we have is the hope that one day he will be coming back for us. That's right. That's right. It's the living hope, and I love how you said that. It's past, present, and future. It's past because it's rooted in something that's already happened, you know, that we, you know, the finished work of Christ on the cross, resurrected. It's a longing for the future, and both of those things inform like how we live in the present. And so it affects, it, it's all three, past, present, and future. That's kind of what Advent is about. I know we're circling real high this morning. We're going to yep. bring it down to like what you brought out. If you struggle at any time of the year, much less Christmas time, or if you or feel like you're depressed, or you feel like there is no what we would call hope. Right. You know, Matthew brings us really into this beautiful richness of what God has brought us in hope. Uh, if Fred were here, he would be like, don't say it. So I'm going to say it. Fred's not here. So in Latin, I'm sure I, I taught Latin at one time. I'm sure English has the same tense, tense being you know past and present and all that. But they had the sixth tenth, which was sixth tense, called future perfect. Okay. It was when you use the future perfect tense, you're saying it like it happened in the past, but it was actually in the future. Oh, it's kind of what you were talking about with the Jeremiah and Rachel. Yes. It's like in the future, it's going to be past, but right now it's not there yet. Does that make <laughs> yes, sense? Yes, it does. And it that's does. what hope is. And I think ultimately hope has always been there. And I think Matthew does a great job unraveling that for us. And as you said, a very dark story. Yeah. 
and, 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 you know, one of the things that I think to the people you've had me go to to learn from podcasts or whatever, the one thing is like, if you read a passage, what just doesn't make sense? Us Americans, Westerners especially. We run away from that. We just run away because gosh, God's word's true and it can't have something that doesn't make sense because life has to be sensical. And anybody that lives life long enough knows that life is not sensical sometimes. Yep. And so anything when the scripture is not sensical, seemingly, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to go to the next verse. I want the next chapter. Or says. we resolve it too quickly. You know, we'll, we'll Google the answer and go, okay, good. So there's an answer to that tension that I, that I see. So Instead one of the of questions, I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, no, go ahead. One of the questions I was going to ask you, which you're not going to have an answer for, but this is just fun. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I don't usually do this with tons of people. You and Fred, I do, because I trust, and my brother, Wally. Uh, there's just a lot of people I just, I really want to know, because y'all are full of wonderful, learned information. So don't you think that it's interesting? I'm not going to say funny, but don't you think it's interesting in Matthew 2, and you can read it on your own, in this story that God comes to Joseph and says, this mean bad king who God could smash anytime he wanted to is going to kill, I don't know, my son, who I know one day will die on a cross. I'm not worried that he's actually going to be killed by Herod. Right. But you need to go to Egypt because that's the only way. Well, I shouldn't say it's the only way. That's the way I'm going to save him. Now, isn't that, did you not find that intriguing? When you were reading it, I was like, well, that's just kind of weird. The fact that he's one that the fact that he's going to be saved by going to Egypt. Yeah, that he's going to have to escape out of Bethlehem to go to Egypt, back where Daddy's from. You know, I hate to say it, but that's where Jacob, you know, got taken and you know, yeah, really. Yeah, I just think it's kind of weird that God would have used that vehicle, Egypt being that vehicle, to save Jesus from I don't know the big scary king that you know could be like killed in like two seconds. So okay, like. This is what's so cool, right? Like, so, um, and I, I may have mentioned this before, like, actually before the podcast, but, you know, Matthew picks up on all these, like, similarities and, like, contrast. And and one of the things that, like, some commentators have pointed out is the parallel between, like, Matthew, Matthew and the way he tells the story of uh, Jesus and the Exodus. So check this out. This is for um, all you Bible nerds. No, what, this, what, is, this is not a Bible nerd. This uh, is good stuff. Okay. Let's hear it. So check this out. So think about Israel and the Exodus versus... Jesus and what some people call the new Exodus. You have um, both of them. There is a journey to Egypt. Both of them, you have an oppressive king killing children, right? Pharaoh. And then in this case, uh, you have Herod. In the Exodus, you have God's son called out of Egypt. And Jesus in the new Exodus, you eventually have God's son called out of Egypt. And then um, baptized in the Jordan, the Israelites pass through the Jordan uh, Israel, Israelites spend 40 years in the wilderness. Jesus spends 40 days in the wilderness, all in Matthew, all in Exodus. And so like the, the parallels, like Matthew picks up on this and is kind of describing the story in terms of the Exodus, which you want to talk about practical things there. <laughs> so, so this is the word meta narrative. You taught me this word in this, in this lounge. You actually yeah. said the word meta narrative. No, it was a I think thirsty, it was go- that, thirsty right? goat. It was yeah, a thirsty yeah. goat. Yeah. And meta narrative is M-E-T-A narrative. You can spell narrative for yourself. And, and all that means <laughs> is just really s- simple thing. I'm probably saying it too simply, but the word of God, the Bible that we have is one big story of the same thing. God didn't create and have unexpectedly his creation like backfire. Like, oh no, what am I going to do now? I have to now do this and I have to go do it. That's never been the story. That the story from Genesis to Revelation is one big story of the same God and the same love and the same 
searching after his people to save them and redeem them so he can be with them. That's It, it just was never an accident. God knew what he was doing, and the Word is one word. How, did I do a good job? No, that's it. That's you it. Kind of, you kind of taught me that. So that's the meta narrative, and what you just said is so beautiful. You can see these cycles all the way through God's Word, from from Old Testament to New Testament, and and, and you didn't throw the Hosea word in there, too. I mean, the Hosea uh, weirdness, because Hosea— had to look this up this morning, <laughs> was one of the few prophets that was actually of the northern kingdom. I'm not going to go through northern and southern kingdom, but northern kingdom of Israel after they split after Solomon. And and he talks about, I always called it Ephraim, but it's Ephraim. Ephraim, yeah. Ephraim, who, is, who was probably one, was one of the largest, strongest tribes in the northern kingdom. But he is sitting in the northern kingdom right before or during the Assyrian, when the Assyrians came and took the northern kingdom. And he's sitting there for 30-plus years saying, listen, folks, you have to repent or the Assyrians are going to come get you. They're going to come get you. And that's what he's talking about all the way through Hosea. And then you get this, this beautiful chapter of 11, was where Matthew takes this after he talks about the non-prophetic prophetic fulfillment of when this mean, scary king is going to come get, I don't know, the son of God, and yep. God's way of saving Jesus is to send him to Egypt, which you just talked about. Yep. It's almost like, folks, God's saying, folks, listen, listen to me. There's some, there's some, there's some uh, familiarity with the story here. Jesus is going to go to Egypt, and he's going to come back out, mm-hmm. and he's going to save us because he's going to lead us into a new Jerusalem. Which, again, they knew that not just from scripture, they, that they rehearsed that all the time, you know, throughout, throughout the year and in, in festivals. And so they're, they're pulling from those stories in the old Testament to what is happening on the ground now. And can you imagine a Jewish person hearing Matthew write this and they've, they know the story of Hosea. They know the, the malady, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the evilness of what happened to the Northern tribe of Israel, the 10 tribes getting taken into captivity, all the death that came along with that, the separation, leaving the remnant behind. But hearing now Hosea, Matthew quote Hosea saying, but out of Egypt, I called my son. Yeah. And they're thinking, whoa, that's heavy. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was Israel the whole time, but it's really not. They're this like, was always, this that's was always, my story. Yeah. It's always about Christ. Yeah. I, I think it's really cool. I love that. Everything points to Christ as a, one of the famous lines, I'm going to really nerd out, Battlestar Galactica, all this has happened before, and it will all happen again. That's that's kind of what you're seeing here, right? Is this, like, repeated, like, Battlestar cycle Galactica. in this story. I know. I that know. is I'm awful. A real, you I'm just a ruined the group. That's, I know, man. I just I'm, went back to that little... Sorry. What, what no, do they call no, those no, people? The newer one. The oh, newer right. One. I, I, yeah, the old one was really bad. So. All right. So you did... That was one of... So that was the yep. one that you, you talk about geeked out on. I mean, yep. I just went on and on. Uh, in Hosea 11, if you want to read Hosea 11, it is a beautiful, especially 11, four. Um, yep. you have it there in front I of do. you. Can uh, you read 11, 11, Hosea chapter 11, verse four? I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love to them. I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek and I bent down to feed them. So if you heard the sermon and did not see the sermon on Sunday, Timmy had, um, this picture side view of a bearded gentleman holding a small child, no snows. Mm-hmm. This must have been pre-COVID picture. <laughs> uh, and uh, 
assuming it's his father and son. We yep. don't know that, but assuming it is, that's the whole point of it. Uh, and and you made a big point being what? That even in the midst of our mess, sometimes our self-imposed like mess, the mess that we can create by our, you know, by our bad choices and by our sins, even in the midst of that, um, God's love is unconditional and he's going to stoop to meet us where we are. It, it's such, I mean, I, I did not come to, you know, I always talk about crying on this. I don't cry all the time, folks, uh, podcast listener. Um, but I mean, I did see that picture and I just thought it was beautiful. And so I was like, yeah, sometimes these pastors, they play little games with us. They put a picture on the board and the scripture really just doesn't, doesn't say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's cute. I like that. That's really fun, but that doesn't happen. But if you read 11, four, it says that God led them by the ESV. I know we're geeking out. Fred would yep. just like like be rolling his eyes at me at this point. <laughs> but the ESV says cords of kindness. Yep. But it's not really what it says in the Hebrew. And actually, the CSB does a really good job here. It, it's really human cords. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a cord that usually is used for measuring. That's that word in the Hebrew. It's a measuring cord. Of Adam, which is of man. So he's leading. And by the way, speaking of the—I'm having so much fun. (laughs) Speaking of what Timmy just said about this is almost like a recreation kind of theme, that Mm -hmm. he's going back to Egypt because he's going to bring them back out. This word led is the word draw out. Like when he drew out the Israelites from Egypt across the Red Sea. Right. He drew us out of that. That's what that word led. So he's leading us, by the way, because that's what Matthew said. Out, He's leading us. He's drawing us out. Even by what we measure ourselves, our own human measurement, he's going to lead it. In other words, I think, and this may be wrong, and tell me if I am, He's. it's these felt needs versus you know all that other needs. Even in what we measure ourselves, he's going to draw us out. He's going to know where we are. He knows where, even in your mess, as you said, yeah. even in your mistakes, even where you are trying to measure yourself by your own measurement, which is just kind of silly, but it's what we live in. But then it follows up with what? And ropes of love. love. Yep. That's a, that's a braided rope foliage, almost like a creation thing to me. By his own creation of his own rope, not by our measuring, measuring line, but by his ropes of his, I think it's Ramah, his love, he's leading us both. He understands where we are. It's beautiful. But, but where he is, and we can't get to, he's going to take out that bit, I think, and destroy that yoke. Mm-hmm. Be- and he's going to feed us, almost like a 23rd Psalm. Yeah. He's going to feed us in the midst of us trying to make it ourselves. I love that because it also, the way you described it right there is describing like emotion out of something. So, and like, cause the temptation always, when you talk about the unconditional love of Christ is to, you know, our human flesh will want to abuse that and be like, Oh, that's, that's great. Like, you know, God loves me no matter what I do and nothing can destroy that, which is true, but that's not the picture. The picture is one of, of leading, leading us out of that, leading us out, out of um, the, the darkness. And so God, like we said, this God loves us so much in our mess, but he loves us too much to let us stay in our mess. And he, you know, he, and the Romans two, four, it's your kindness that leads us, you know, to repentance. And so if you don't know what I, I did, a, I did a yoke, it was a Hosea, I think, uh, Hosea six, I think 
uh, but we talked about it being yoked. You know, there's a lot of yoke imagery both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I, I realized a lot of these guys didn't know what a yoke was. So look up oxen yoke. Uh, but it's this thing where two heads of a of of cows sit in it and they they plow the fields with it. Right. And so the concept I think God's saying over and over about this yoke that He talks about in Hosea eleven four is that you're going to be yoked with something. It, you're not going to be the lone wolf with a single hold yoke. You're going to be yoked with something. He came to destroy the yoke that we are with Pharaoh at this point or mm-hmm. with the Assyrians or with whatever you want to put in that little hole on the other side. He came to destroy that, and yeah. he's going to put himself in that yoke with you and walk with you, which is just such a beautiful imagery, I think. Somebody needs to hear that right now. I mean, like somebody is like... <laughs> here at the beginning of a holiday season and they don't feel, they don't feel light. Like they feel the heaviness of whatever burden that is. And, um, Jose 11, four is for you, right? That, you know, oh, it's so we, beautiful. We have a God that is, um, picking you up, holding him, holding you to his cheek and leading you out with cords of love it's and beautiful. feeding them and feeding them, which, which yep. by the way, takes us back to, I know we're beating this to death, but <laughs> when he brought the Israelites out of Egypt across the Red Sea, you know, we, yeah. we study this. The first thing he did after they complained 30 days into is they're hungry. What did he do? <laughs> he dropped manna on the ground for them yep. every single day. He fed them, even in their insolence, even in their abusive talk to them, even in their non-trust, God sent quail at night, but he dropped manna during the day every day for them, except for Sunday, double portion on Saturday. <laughs> but every day he provided for their needs, just like he says in Hosea eleven four. I love that. And, you know, and I think that pushes against this concept of like a different God in the Old Testament versus new. Sometimes you hear about like, oh, God's like scary God, and scary wrathful God. in the Old Testament <laughs> and graceful and loving in the new. But like, it's like you go back to the Old Testament and his love and grace is like, it shines through every page of the Old Testament in different ways. And that's what, but you got to think, Matthew was writing a little bit of that to say, listen, when he was doing this in Hosea, death and destruction, and you're going to, you know, Syrians are going to take you over. But right in the middle of that is this beautifulness that he links to while the big scary king was going to have to run Jesus out of the country. No, God did that. Yeah. God used that little man, Herod, to show the people that I'm going to send them back to Egypt to show you this was always the plan. And if I have to symbolically and literally show it that out of Egypt, I proclaimed my son, mm. then I'm going to do it that way. Yeah, I just think it's so cool. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Almost as cool as the horrific. I mean, you know, so many stories, we call them stories. You know, Fred had a great comment a few podcasts ago about a lady in the church, I believe, saying she quits using the word Bible stories like they're made up. Right. She likes to say in their Bible events because there are true things that happened. Oh, nice. But I still yeah. use the word story just because it's, it's just in, it's in my language. But one of the stories that you, you talked about was this, this the event that Herod got ticked when the wise man kind of didn't tell him where Jesus was going to be. So he went to Bethlehem and killed every male child to an under man. Crazy. You, you somehow got some number on that, which is kind of crazy how you knew it was 25 to 50. But I mean, that's just an estimate based on like, you know, what, the probable population and all it. that good stuff. Because, you know, one of the criticisms is like, well, we don't have a record of that outside the Bible, but it wasn't, it probably wasn't thousands, but still it's horrific. Oh, it's you know? can you imagine soldiers coming to your town? You have nothing to do with anything and then taking your boy and just killing them. 
No. Oh, it's just crazy, man. It's brutal. It's brutal. It's just horrific. And and that's what happened. And and then out of that, Matthew says he brings this Jeremiah 31 quote out about Rachel weeping for her children and because they were no more. Yep. Yep. And that one was as I mentioned, that one was like kind of hard for me to figure out for a while because it's we're, we keep talking about the time bending thing. And this is like multiple things happening at once with this. And that's why I thought uh, Tim Mackey did a great illustration with that about like George and Martha Washington. It'd be as if somebody wrote a poem, putting it into George and Martha Washington's like voice of weeping and lamenting over nine 11. So um, <laughs> lots of weird time things happening there, yeah. but still a way of going like, Hey, um, Jesus likes is his eyes are wide open and he sees you in your darkness. He sees you in your sorrow and he's not a God that's at a distance. He's like right there with you. And you got to remember now, so we keep this in context again. Jeremiah is not writing. So we could have some match game with Jesus in Matthew too. Right. That's not what he was writing for. We have to remember that. Jeremiah was writing to a certain group of people to tell them a prophetic word from God to say, repent and turn, or disaster will come upon you. That's the blessing and curse of how he created creation. That's just how it works. There's a blessing and there's a cursing. You do good, that's great. If you don't, well, there's a curse. Now, he came and destroyed that curse for us. But still, there's just this, I hate to say yin and yang, it's not a yin and yang, but there's this balance at all yeah. times. And so in the middle of Jeremiah, we have this quote that Matthew links over to this horrific event uh, when Jesus was born. And we talked about this morning before the, the podcast. You, you, can you read yeah. 3150 and I just pulled it up, and I, I'm so glad you brought this up because I had forgotten what comes after. And it's I, it, it's, it's hopeful. Be- it's beautiful. It's right? hopeful, yeah. So, um, this is verse 16, and again, the folks listening to Matthew and, and reading this would have— Would have absolutely They would have this. immediately gone, oh, I know this passage. It says, Thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope, there's that word, for your future, declares the Lord, and your children shall come back to their own country. It's just so here. So here's Matt. Now, now this is funny. You're right. This is laughable. Here he is describing this horrific event. And then he's linking it to this weird time bending. Rachel's weeping for these kids that haven't been born yet. But in context of what Jeremiah was writing was this is the sadness. This is the destruction. This is horrific. But what I'm going to tell you is that one day there's not going to be tears anymore. Yes. There's no room for that. There is hope that I will bring. And that hope, I think, was what he was saying is Jesus. Yeah. I mean, this is the fun part about this. (laughs) I mean, really, the richness of this is, here's this horrific scene, and I'm going to link it back to Jeremiah when he's bringing this prophetic word against the Israelites. I don't know. I have to say, I don't know if Jeremiah was Israel or Judah. I think it's probably Judah. But he's bringing these prophetic words to his people. And, And Matthew's linking it back to, here's this horrible event that Herod's killing these kids. But the next verses are, and they would have known this, but there's hope. Correct. This and is it, not the end of it. And even though it's not necessarily a direct link of prophecy like we might expect That's like right. from a Western viewpoint, it is because it's so, saying, hey, this hope that we're talking about, he's here now, you know, and, and he's here and his name is Jesus. And that is really, really 
beautiful and hopeful. Right? I know. Like, I mean, and it, it, that's what I'm saying. So laughable. It is yeah. hopeful. <laughs> and so how, and I thought that was beautiful how you did Matthew too. I mean, you could have picked a lot of other verses to do. You, you charged in hard <laughs> on some difficult stuff that I think we're all still kind of scratching our head a little bit. Oh, of yeah. Like, I still don't understand <laughs> this. And, and that's okay. Yeah. It, that's okay. But just know this, that Matthew intentionally, right after this long genealogy, which is the meta narrative, that this was not a mistake. This was always a plan by God. That in the second chapter of Matthew, when he's talking about how Christ was born <laughs> and he's having to escape from the big scary king, he's using all these links back to these prophets and saying, Y'all, I've got this. Yeah. This is steadfastness. This is, I'm never going to leave you. The hope is expectant, not may not happen. It's going to happen. And this is the promise I'm making you. And Matthew's saying, listen, folks, when Christ was born, this is fulfillment of the hope. That's right. So we always have future hope. This is where I always live. Oh, one day I'll get to heaven and life will be so much better. But as we talked about already and what we talked about before, the hope is present. Yeah. It, 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 and it's the hope is present and it, it's also rooted in the past. And I think that's what Matthew is doing here is to get, get the, the listener to, to remember what God has already done. You know, it's been a while since I've studied this. I think the Hebrew word for remember is Zakar, and it's one of the most um, repeated commands in all of scripture is to remember. And I think that's because God knows we don't like we are so fickle and we forget what he just did, he, you know, how many times the disciples would be like, Hey, what are we going to do for food? We're hungry. What are we going to do for food? And it's like, wait a minute. Like literally, you know, you just got fed from the loaves and the fishes. Like we forget and we're forgetful. And I think like Matthew is going like, no, this is, this is who God is. It's his, his character is one of mercy and compassion and one that is going to like walk through this with you. Don't forget that. I think it's, I think it's just absolutely beautiful. So if today you're not struggling, that's okay. But if you are struggling, either way, it is what it is, Fred. No, I called you Fred. <laughs> it is it is what it is, Tim. But it's not. It's but it's not what it one day will be. Thank you. See, I had to I had to let <laughs> you do that. That was go. your tagline. It is what it is, but it's not what it one day will be. That's right. And that day can be today, at least as I as I think the Bible says, we kind of look in that mirror dimly. Mm-hmm. We can kind of see a little bit of it. It's that kingdom here, not here. You kingdom's know. in the midst of you, yep. but it's kind of not because you can't fully realize that yet. Right. It's not, it was what I said earlier, it's not in full fruition. It's not in full enjoyment yet, yep. but we can enjoy it. So we do have a hope. We have a wonderful hope, and, and that hope is Jesus. And I hate to say it, Jesus is the answer. Remember <laughs> I the book? I think you stole Wally's book on this. Forgot the name of the, the author. Uh, Did I? It's Christians Don't Dance with the Don't Knocked Out and all that. I uh, oh. forgot his name. But he, he had a, he had a, a chapter uh, in one of his books that said, if Jesus is the answer, what was the question anyway? Oh, And so many times, I know I just took a, a hard right, but a lot of times we say, well, Jesus is the answer. And we say, oh, Jesus is the answer. You know what? You're right. <laughs> Jesus is the answer. But sometimes the questions are worth pursuing. And the questions that come out of Matthew 2 are worth pursuing. They are. Because it is full, absolute, of truth and steadfastness, but most importantly, it's it's full of hope. And so... This Advent season, we we are celebrating hope this week, but don't forget it next week. Yep. That's or the right. other fifty <laughs> other weeks. Uh, that God came to save us, to redeem us, to put us up to his face, nose to nose. And no matter what you've done and no matter what you will do, 
He will save you and redeem you. You just have to have faith in that. Amen. All right, brother. Love it. We could talk about this another hour. I'm sure, sure. podcast listeners are like, okay, enough. <laughs> Stop. We went, we went pretty deep, pretty Stop. fast. Yeah, All right. Good, well, man. we're going to come back for a very, very quick third segment. What's coming up at Real Life during this Advent season, Christmas holiday season? Uh, can't wait to talk about it, Tim. We'll be right back. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday at Real Life. We believe God has put you in the neighborhood and in the job and at the ballpark or at the gym right where he wants you to influence and invite others into his story, into a relationship with him. So here's today's challenge. Text a friend right now. Stop what you're doing. Send them a message and invite them to join you at Real Life this Sunday. Who knows? Maybe it'll be their first step into a relationship with God. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday at Real Life. So text that friend today. Well, we all know that the Christmas season is full of stuff to do. Um, and uh, one of the values that we have at Real Life is margin for mission. And so, uh, but the church has, has lined out a few events that are going to occur over the next three or four weeks because I think Christmas is like four weeks away, maybe three and four weeks away, three and a half, four weeks away. Three and a half, yeah. So, but so four. we're not going to like overwhelm the, the, the real life church member. Um, but we do have some things coming up, um, but I, as we're going to talk about these, I, I don't want the podcast listener, Tim, to think, well, but I don't have time to seek an employee or employer or team or my neighbor, you know, take some time with your family alone, get on your knees, carve out some time to be thankful, hopeful yeah. next week we can be loving, <laughs> uh, maybe some joyful too in there. Um, but take some time, margin for mission, reach out to your neighbors. Uh, not disingenuously, but genuinely. But in the midst of that, we do have some stuff going on we, we do. during the month of December. What is that, Tim? We do. I mean, it, it's funny. When you look at it on the screen, it looks like a lot, but it's all very simple stuff. Yep. So it, it's um, the first thing coming up, I think, is this coming Sunday, uh, December 4th, for the senior adults. They're calling it an old-time Christmas at uh, the Ruby Cora in Adams, uh, Tennessee. And uh, it's going to be just a fun event, three to five I talked to Steve Hanschel, like our, our worship guy at Real Life. Steve? He is like, he's pumped about this event. He's like, I got like, I've got a bunch of people coming. And like, if people are just picturing like, you know, me and a guitar, like they're going to be kind of blown out of the water. So he's, they're fired up to like sing Christmas carols at this event on Sunday. There's going to be photographs. They're going to be handing out like uh, some um Nice little gifts. So we're not going to say the age limit of what you have to be to come, but if you're, you feel like if you're a older real life right. church or if, friend of a, you come on if you and feel it'll be senior adultish. Because <laughs> right? I mean, I can go. You know, I'm, yeah, fi- I'm fifty and a half now, so I feel like I can go. <laughs> oh yeah, you're in. Uh, you're yeah. totally in. My, my, my body's still aching. Uh, so, okay, so that's so that's Sunday. Yep, that's Sunday, yep. December fourth, three to five at Ruby Core out near Adams. Yep. Next thing is uh, December eleventh. We're having a kids choir that will be singing in both services on that Sunday morning. I've not experienced that yet, but I've heard great things from people oh, love in the it. past. Yeah, my kids did the Easter one. It's just, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. And then December the 19th, December 19th, uh, you know, Christ- day of the week, Christmas it? caroling. And that's Christmas caroling right across the street from the land. Yep. Um, in a neighborhood from 7 PM to 8 PM, S- 7 to 8 PM. And, um, I said PM, 7 PM to 8 PM. Now 
if Fred were here, I'd say that's pretty late. That's kind of dark. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, you kind of want it dark at you know. Kind of bedtime is bedtime for me. Well, it, it's not a long event. It's yeah. it's one hour, and um, yeah, and you may say to yourself like, I can't sing. And as Freddie mentioned, like he'll be there, I'll be there. We don't sing. In fact, we're really, really bad. Just mouth, just mouth, yeah. just mouth the words. You don't actually have to utter anything. How about that? <laughs> exactly. But that is December the ninth, December nineteenth. Yep. We'll have hot chocolate and we'll carol for literally about an hour from like seven, seven to eight. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be like a, a flash mob, right? Especially if flash we get, mob, if we get yes. like a hundred people there, like it's gonna be like, I don't know. It's gonna be, uh, it'll be pretty. I think it's gonna be a pretty big impact to go, you know, from house to house. We're gonna have a little gift. Uh, for the folks that we go visit, we're going to sing. Should be a lot of fun. good engagement with our our soon to be neighbors, or our, I guess our our now neighbors. But yep, it's for sure new new to, soon to be neighbors. So that's December nineteenth, seven to eight. Come out, have some fun, meet some other real life people you may not know, and maybe minister to some folks across the street from the land. And then December twenty fourth, if you don't know, that's Christmas Eve. December twenty fourth, that's a Saturday night or Saturday afternoon, we yep. have a 3 o'clock service and a 4.15 4 service. It is where we are meeting now in Acme Athletics. That's right. Uh, I think City Forum's open, so just keep walking through where you normally would. Uh, if you want to get there a little early and do maybe some go-karts, you can do that too. But uh, 3 and 4.15, that will be the same kind of service. Yep. But the next day, that's Christmas Day, it's Sunday the 25th, at 11 o'clock, a different service altogether. So as Freddie said, it's not three services the same. Christmas Eve service would be two two options of those, and then Christmas morning. What a great year. I remember as a kid, I ain't going to lie. Come on. The, 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 who I hated when Christmas on Sunday because then you had to, like, go to church, <laughs> drop your toys, get all dressed up. Yeah, like, ah. yeah. But, you know, as I'm older now, as an older older man now, it's such a wonderful time that Christmas falls on Sunday where you get to go with fellow believers and get to worship and be thankful for what Christ, Christ can it do is. for us. And I, and I like the way that we do it. It's going to be super simple, right? Like we're not going to have like, you know, uh, crazy. It's not gonna be a lot of work for people, you know, to do. It's gonna be a family service. Great. Um, great, great way to, to celebrate Christmas as a family and that's do right. it corporately. All right. So that's Sunday, December 25th at 11 o'clock in Acme Athletics where we're meeting now for worship. Timmy, this was so fun, man. I had fun, man. It, it was. was good. It was fun. I, yep. I think we talked. Oh my gosh, we we probably Whoops. had a long one today, but that's fine. Uh, I've I've had a lot of fun hanging out with you. Really want to say again, really appreciate your sermon. Thought provoking for me. Um, dive back into Matthew two this week, podcast yeah. listener. It'll be worth your time. But until then, keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real, keep it Jesus.